Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. This week, my guests are Sheila Gunn-Reed and Drea Humphrey. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Victory! Remember Walter Matheson, the new Brunswick senior, who was ticketed several months ago simply for sitting alone in his car in a Tim Hortons parking lot, enjoying his muffin and coffee? Well, the charge has been dropped. Hmm, I wonder why. Could it be the arresting officer endured a heapin' helpin' of humiliation in the court of public opinion? Sheila Gunn-Reed shall offer her thoughts. Well, those freedom rallies against governments that would take away our rights in the name of flattening the Wuhan virus, they're spreading. Drea Humphrey covered one such protest in Vancouver, and she'll weigh in with her take as to why a growing number of Canadians are increasingly concerned that we are going the way of Melbourne, Australia. And finally, letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day, and I'll share some of your responses regarding my visit to Trinity Bellwoods Park in Toronto, the home of a filthy tent city that houses violent people and vicious animals, and yes, I have the bite marks to prove it. Those are your Rebels, now let's round them up. a victory on our hands here, friends. The prosecutor in Hampton has thrown out Walter's ticket. They say on a technicality, even though that technicality is something that could have easily been amended. I say they turf the ticket because they all know that cop made a huge mistake and embarrassed himself and everyone else now forced to deal with the ticket after the fact. They're dropping that ticket because Walter fought back and because we told the world about what happened to Walter. Now, I caught up with Walter earlier this week to talk about the good news. Take a listen. Well, I went to the court and uh, I waited outside because there was 30 people ahead of me and they were only allowing a few people in at a time, a couple, I think. 
Anyway, I finally got in after the 30 people were done. This was three hours later. And I went in and uh, sat on the bench and waited until they waiting for them to call me up. Uh, when the last person up speaking to the judge uh, finished, uh, it was a woman, and she left. And as she left, the judge got up and walked out the door. And I said, what on earth is going on here? And the sheriff there was standing next to me and says, I don't know. So anyway, this lady comes over to me and she says, Walter, I said, yes. She said, I found your ticket this morning and it wasn't paid out properly, so we tore it up. Well, I'm, I don't know whether I believe that or not, but I kind of wondered why they didn't let me know when I was there, not three hours before that, but anyway, they said it was uh, torn out, thrown out. Uh, what do you think? Because I think that they tossed your ticket because they didn't think that you were going to fight back. I think they thought you were going to roll over. They didn't think you were going to go public. They didn't think that you would ultimately end up embarrassing the police force with your very public story. Uh, they didn't think you would get end up with a lawyer. And they didn't think you would show up in court to contest the ticket. So I think that they were just didn't want to deal with Walter Matheson anymore. That's what I think. Now, Walter, uh, I'm I'm very happy to hear that your ticket has been dropped. I know a lot of people were were cheering for you and and supportive of you fighting back. And I know a lot of people donated to help cover the cost of your lawyer, Sam Goldstein. Um, do you have any uh, message for those people? Oh yes, I'd like to thank everybody that uh, that. That stood behind me for this, especially uh, Rebel News, of course, and you, Sheila. You're my hero now. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of a lot of people that commented uh, on it, and I, I read most of them. Uh, yes, I'd like to thank you all that that uh, supported me, and hopefully, this ever happens again. Victory. As you know, folks, Rebel News launched our Fight the Fines campaign way back in May, I believe, because, heck, nobody else was stepping up to the plate, including the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. We wanted to stand up for Canadians who were being brutalized by bylaw and even law enforcement for the silliest things like sitting alone on a park bench or, such as the case with Walter Matheson, simply enjoying a coffee and muffin by himself in a car, in a parking lot with the windows rolled up. What utter madness. But fast forward to the present and the Matheson case has been dropped. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Joining me now with more on this crazy story with a super happy ending is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David, thanks for having me on the show. Oh yeah, and thank you, and what a great story. Sheila, here's my take. I'm thinking that behind the scenes, that RCMP officer was just begging to have this case dropped. Hey, he might have won in a court of law, who knows, we'll never know now, but in the court of public opinion, wow, this guy was humiliated. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's, exactly what happened i i mean as far as fight the fines cases go some are really atrocious uh, egregious for example tamara being cuffed uh, <laughs> for walking along the beach i mean that's insane uh, uh the young mom um who was searched under her clothes and stuffed in a cough a cop car because she took her 
daughter to an abandoned park during the time of the Wu flu. I mean, some of them are really egregious. Walters was probably the most ridiculous. And it had a lot of public interest in it because I think a lot of people saw that it could happen to them too because it was, Walter was just doing a normal thing as safely as possible. He was eating his muffin and finishing his coffee in a Tim Hortons parking lot with the windows rolled up alone. And a cop comes over to him and says, you got to move along. Um, you're going to attract teenagers to this parking <laughs> lot. I mean, it's hard to even say it out loud because it's so ridiculous that, you know, like the teenagers are like, ooh, let's go down to the Tim Hortons to see if there's any old guys eating a muffin down there. And we'll just mill about because they're there. I mean, it was crazy. And then Walter tried to leave. The cop asked Walter to leave and Walter said, what am I doing wrong? The cop really didn't tell him. And then Walter said, it's still a free country. And then tried to comply with the officer anyway and leave. The cop stops Walter and then gives him a ticket for failing to comply. And the cop gets really vulgar and abusive with Walter. But Walter, citizen journalist that he is, and muffin aficionado, he <laughs> recorded the phone co or the conversation with the cop. And that's really what spurred everything. I, and from there, it got even worse because the cop tried to pull the same bully tactics with me. But I'm happy to say that Walter's case has been dropped. There was a address error or an informational error on his ticket. I mean, they could have amended it easily. Um, I spoke to Sam Goldstein, our lawyer who's working the case. He said it could have just easily amended the ticket and proceeded with the ticket. Um, but I think they wanted to get Walt rid of Walter and us and this whole embarrassing problem the best way possible. And for them, it was dropping the ticket. And at least that way, they didn't have to lose it in court. You know, and, and Sheila, here's the thing. We, we've talked about this before in the past, that police officer, and, and to me, this is so inexplicable. He approaches Walter very jovial and very friendly. And on a dime, he switches uh, from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde in terms of his attitude. He even uses uh, some profanity. And Walter's certainly not giving him lip. He's just asking honest questions in a calm manner. I never quite understood that, uh, you know, why this guy could be so easily triggered. And that's not really who you want in law enforcement. But you mentioned something. Uh, you were bullied along the lines, as were as was our company. And I, I imagine, Sheila, you're you're referring to that ridiculous lawyer's letter. And I say ridiculous because it was full of spelling and gra uh, grammatical errors. And yeah. they were basically uh, intensifying the bullying, weren't they, Sheila? They were saying they wanted us to take the video down. Hello, you're talking to the wrong media company. We don't bend the knee uh, to, uh, uh, you know, malicious uh, legal letters, do we, Sheila? No, I mean, the, the cop clearly never had, or not that he never had, but he doesn't often have people like Walter push back. And Walter pushed back quite politely. He tried to comply, but he just said, this is still a free country. And so it made perfect sense after the fact when the cop, got what I would suspect is the most inept lawyer in all of Hampton, New Brunswick, to send a legal letter to us telling me to turn over the recording of the interaction that Walter <laughs> took 
accusing me of taking the recording. I'm in Alberta. Walter's in Hampton, New Brunswick. We didn't know each other before, so I don't know why I would be sitting in his car halfway across the country surreptitiously recording something. I don't know, crouched behind the back seat of Walter's car. I don't know what th these two thought that I was doing. And they wanted me to turn that over to the cops. Like they're demanding that a journalist turn over their materials, their investigative materials to the RCMP, who at the RCMP station would ever touch those, by the way. And uh, it was pretty clear that they didn't even read the website copy that accompanied the video that I published or watch the video before yes. they fired off that legal letter because they said that I repeatedly mentioned the cop's name in there. I never did, not even once. I didn't write it, I didn't say it because at the time, the cop really wasn't the issue for me. It was the stupid rule that enabled this cop to do those things. And that's really what I took issue with until the cop took an issue with me and he tried to bully me, he tried to shut me up. So naturally, I did a story about it and I, I lit up the lawyer and I lit up the cop and it, it ended up being one of our most popular fight the fines videos. It wasn't even a fight the fines video. It was like an update to a fight the fines video and it got nearly half a million views because it exposed the bullies for who they really are. And it also showed how these COVID regulations are really empowering the bullies who don't normally have a lot of power. Yeah, I think it's called the Barbara Streisand effect, yeah. isn't it, Sheila? And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't this dimwit of a lawyer run for the Liberal Party in the, in the election? And um, uh, without any success, surprisingly. But, geez, um, I guess that's the kind of uh, cloth Liberal candidates are cut from these days, eh, Sheila? <laughs> She's the perfect liberal candidate. Just perfect. She's a bully. She's not good at the job she already has um, because she can't spell. She, I mean, she didn't even get the address of the company right when she sent the legal letter. Like, that's just like a cut and paste. And somehow she screwed that up, too. Um, yeah, she ran for the liberals in Hampton, New Brunswick, uh, running on her reputation. Um, and, and she's, from what I understand, a perennial liberal candidate, and she got absolutely smoked. Like, she got... NDP levels of support. Um, what you'd see in Alberta, that's what she got out there. Like it was, it wasn't good. I think she got maybe a thousand votes. Wow. I mean, and she was bragging, I noticed online about the number of doors she knocked. Like she said she knocked like 10,000 10, doors or something like that. And she couldn't even you know, motivate one in 10 of those people <laughs> to show up and vote for her at the ballot box. Geez, maybe she thought that's how an election works. Uh, the number of doors you knock on, whoever knocks on the most, you win the election. But yeah. Sheila, we got to wrap it up. So a humiliating defeat uh, at the ballots for the uh, liberal lawyer, a uh, humiliation for the officer who brought it upon himself uh, by acting so unprofessionally, I would say, yeah. a resounding victory for Walter Matheson, no matter how you look at, at it. There's going to be no fine, and certainly in the court of public opinion, he's a hero. One last question. Uh, I'm almost disappointed, Sheila, because we were going to cover that trial, all hands on deck, but I guess that just shows for once uh, that cop made the right decision in what, waving the white flag of surrender, eh? Yeah, well... Yeah, we had talked about sending the mostly the entire company out there to cover it as though it were the OJ trial or the Menendez brothers <laughs> or something like that. I was very excited to be the Nancy Grace of the company um, every night doing color commentary. Um, but for yes, as you rightly point out, for once they did the right thing. And it is simply 
to save face. It's not because they are motivated to do the right thing because they realize they did something wrong. It's that they know that this would never stand up in the court of law and this was just a petty grievance um, between a cop and a citizen who pushed back just yeah. a little bit. That's what it's about. I love it. The OJ trial for fight the fines. If you don't <laughs> have a Timbit, you must acquit. Uh, Sheila, <laughs> great news. and Thank you so much for this. <laughs> Thanks, David. Have a great weekend. You too, my friend. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in the hinterland of Northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Okay, Michelle, now you obviously are a fan of Canada. What's your opinion on what we're seeing in Canada lately? Um, what I'm seeing in Canada is absolute tyranny. Um, our government is trying to lock us down and control us and take away our democracy. I'm just happy to be here to support everyone who knows that this is all a scam with the pandemic. And I'm just worried about all the kids that are going to school and some of them have to wear masks and just all the rules and regulations and all the people that lost their jobs and all these small companies that I'm just glad to be here and I'm hoping that this will stop because I've heard of so many people committing suicide over this lie and I'm just wanting, um, I believe that Canada was a free country but now I believing that it's a communist country. All right, you guys are here. One of you have a big flag that says, don't tread on me. Why is it important for you to guys to be at this event today? Uh, I think it's important for our democracy and for all Canadians to realize that uh, sometimes you have to band together and say what you're going to stand for and what you won't stand for. And number one, we can all agree that freedom is number one important. That's what we all fight for. That's what our ancestors fought for. Uh, so we just want to make sure that uh, the message is clear that uh, all Canadians want freedom. We had people bringing in speakers and of course you can you can hand out all the flyers and promote all you want. If the people don't come out, you don't got nothing. So I got to thank everybody for coming out and doing their job and supporting this. Why was this important? We saw what was going on in Berlin, in Montreal, in Dublin, in Greece, in Poland, in Italy. Montreal again, Ottawa, and I thought I felt, you know, Vancouver's got to get put on the map too. This this whole mask issue, it's coming here. You know, BC slowly going downhill with all these restrictions again. Uh, we're getting restaurants, pubs locked down. It's time for Vancouver to be put on the map now. It's time because we've just had enough. Vancouver needed a big rally. We've got lots of little protests here and there, which is great, but we needed a big one to say to our government, we are at enough is enough, and the time was now. That's why. Uh, I've never really been more proud to be Canadian than literally right now, today. Um, people standing up for their rights, that's what I want more than anything in the world. All right, Dana, you were just saying that you came from a communist country and now you feel like it's happening here in Canada. Why is that? It's not a feeling, it's what I'm seeing is happening. Lockdowns, when I know in Europe right now, many of the countries have been opening up. Doctors are speaking out. What I like to see, where are the doctors from Canada? Where are they? One, two, especially BC. I don't hear anybody talking. This is very concerning to me too. We're using, basically, my grandparents fought these Nazis. 
Later on, these communists, I grew up in the regime. What I see right now makes no sense to me. Well, talk about momentum when it comes to citizens fighting back against our rights and freedoms being body checked in the name of Wuhan virus prevention. Rallies have sprung up in Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, and now even Canadians in the relatively laid back left coast are voicing their displeasure. And joining me now to discuss the recent Vancouver rally is Drea Humphrey. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Drea. Hey, everyone. So, Drea, the clip ended with that Eastern European lady speaking out against government slowly but surely curtailing our rights. And, you know, I got to tell you, I've covered many similar rallies here. And I have to say, the most passionate people when it comes to speaking out tend to be those from the former Soviet Union or the Eastern Bloc nations. I think it's because they have experienced totalitarianism firsthand and it is anything but a socialist utopia. What are your thoughts on that, Drea? I completely agree. You see a lot of people from Poland, even some Iranian people speak out and I've seen it before as well. So I wasn't surprised by what she's saying. And I think it would be wise to, you know, take it seriously, right? Not just brush it off. And I believe her name was Dana. She was very uh, passionate about getting that message out and she definitely wasn't alone. Yeah. And you know, the dichotomy here, Drea, is that on the flip side, I see native born Canadians who are brought up in the milk and honey of this nation, in wealth, in privilege, and they go to a university campus and they're wearing a, a, a Soviet Union a hammer and sickle t-shirt or a, 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 an illustration of Che Guevara. And it's, it's incredible because it seems that the only people that are super pro-communist and super uh, you know, pro having the government curtail our rights are people that have never lived in such a society in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're, they're still living with their parents, you know. <laughs> it's, it's super strange. At one uh, Black and Indigenous protest that I went just before coming a rebel, there was these young, I guess they were probably in university maybe, living in their parents' basement, and they were saying, capitalism is dead, and you people are old and out of touch. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Where, why do they all think the same? Like, I don't know where they're getting the information from. But you're right. They, they haven't lived in any of the societies. And not the one we have right now and the one that they're advocating for. So, Yeah, and I, I think, Drea, too, a lot of people might be saying, well, this is a freedom rally. Uh, this is all about the Wuhan virus uh, protocols being put in place. Why are they talking about socialism and communism? This is the thing, Drea, I think, and, and, and I get this vibe from so many protesters. It's governments of every political stripe and every level, municipal, provincial, state, federal, um, as our boss, Ezra Levent, likes to say, during this pandemic, they got a little taste of totalitarianism. And you know what? They kind of like that taste and they're kind of reluctant to uh, stop, you know, dishing into that bowl. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's actually frightening what can happen when people are in power. We hear all this talking about police brutality, but what about politicians, you know, that are abusing their power? So 
I definitely see, and it, it's across the globe in in many ways, which is also kind of concerning. And I think a perfect example in Canada of this happening is the the closing, how long parliament sittings were closed. I mean, that's ridiculous. There's absolutely no reason to defend that. I mean, when you can go to a movie theater where I live, you can go to the movie theater, you can go walk around the mall, you can do all of these things, but yet mm, democracy, not important. And you know, I, I love the people that come out to these rallies, Dre, and it seemed to me that you were treated so respectfully there. That, that's what I get when I cover similar rallies here. People were very articulate in expressing what their problems are with these Wuhan virus uh, protocols. And yet, it's so funny, isn't it, my friend, when you contrast it to, well, in your case, I remember you went to um, some uh, uh, homeless encampment at a park, and you had the stereotypical white liberal dude uh, questioning your racial <laughs> resume <laughs> and whether or not you were indigenous and, was, and, and being very rude in the process. Why is it that when it comes to uh, these kind of leftist protests, A, they're rude, and B, they can't even get their point across, Drea? I don't think they fully understand why they're so passionate about what they're passionate about. I don't think they've <laughs> taken the time to to really sit and be like, okay, this is why I am saying what I'm saying. This is why I'm standing there. I think it's more just um, like follow the leader kind of mentality. And so they get out there and they get all passionate, rah, rah, rah. And then when they get faced with, you know, a legitimate question or somebody wants to understand their point of view, they just can't do it. So they result to insults or loudspeakers or, in your case, umbrellas. I haven't seen the umbrellas. I've seen people carrying umbrellas that look kind of <laughs> antifa-ish, but I haven't seen them really sticking them in anyone's face. Um, but they just can't articulate themselves. And it's, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a sign of how valid their opinion is when it's like that. Yeah, I guess as Lennon uh, called them, uh, useful idiots. Um, <laughs> Drea, one last question. Um, we've gone through months of misery, and, and my personal feeling is that the cure has been worse than the curse when we look at all the other fallouts of what we've had to endure with in terms of the Wuhan virus, uh, depression, spousal abuse, suicides, people dying, literally dying on elective surgery lists that have been canceled. The economy has been pretty much opened up, but there's all kinds of rumors there, uh, especially as there's, you know, whispers of the so-called second wave coming, that around Thanksgiving, we might be going back to stage two, stage one even. What is, what is your vibe out there? And, and I guess the question is, after we've endured so much and we're just now getting our liberty back, are Canadians going to put up with the regulations being regressed to the way they were back in March, April, and May? Well, I've been suspecting that in the fall we were going to see another lockdown for a while now, specifically because of how many times we've been told about the second wave and how bad it's going to be. I mean, we have been told that <laughs> barely before they admitted there was a first wave or whatever. So. In my mind, I saw a little con conditioning there. I'm not being like a conspiracy theorist. It's just I feel like the government is prepared to, to lock down uh, regardless of if it's warranted or not. And then as far as people waking up, I think we are going to see more people 
sort of resisting this, especially if they do some more research. And an example of that is I'm in, or I should say I was in a lot of like COVID awareness groups. And I literally got kicked out of those groups, not even for really giving like my opinion, but I kid you not just for sharing any kind of credible information that didn't align with fear. And so if I posted something that Oh, I can't think of an example, but just something that said, oh, great, the, the death rate is lower and, and look what happened here in Sweden. doesn't matter if it's doctors or scientists. They would literally tag admin to get me out and the admin would get me out. And it happened so many times. And so I think there's about two groups that kept me in. And now I notice when I do it, it's completely different. Like you'll get about 50, 50 of who's able to talk about it, you'll get likes, you'll get hearts, you'll get some angry faces. And I thought that's a real sign because this used to be just a group all about the fear. And just backtracking with what you said, like in my area specifically during the lockdown, our domestic violence calls went up to 300% during the lockdown at some calls. Um, It's insane. And our child abuse calls drastically plummeted And so what's concerning about that is that kids weren't going to their safe place. It's not that they weren't getting abused. In fact, they were probably getting abused more uh, with all the stress and everything like that. Um, But the fact that they're not around their teachers, they're not around Sunday school, they're not around community centers, they're not playing sports, they're not going to the library, there's no one reporting these things. So, I mean, and then BC is also having our biggest um, ever since we've been having our biggest overdoses, fatal overdoses, and it hasn't been stopping. So, yeah, I think the the cure has been worse than the virus for sure so far. Yeah, it's so sad, you know, and that is a staggering anecdote about you going on to these groups, getting kicked out, not for voicing an opinion, not for coming up with yeah. a conspiracy theory, but for quoting medical and scientific statistics and data and uh, doesn't fit with the narrative. So uh, out you go. Unbelievable, Drea. Well, listen, thank you so much uh, for joining me here on uh, Rebel Roundup. And I I guess time will tell in the weeks ahead how far we're going to regress because I've got great worries about this too. So thanks again, Drea. Thanks, David. You got it. And that was Drea Humphrey in Vancouver. Keep it here. More Rebel Roundup to come right after this. So it was that my cameraman Lincoln and I ventured out to Trinity Bellwoods Park the other day to document the growing illegal eyesore that is the tent city encampment as well as the playground that is apparently being overrun by drug users. We wanted to contrast this scenario with all those goofy social distancing circles that law-abiding citizens dare not disrespect under penalty of heavy fine. Alas, we never got to finish our report. That's because we were violently shut down. Now I'm going to throw to a clip. It is me standing in front of a particularly gruesome looking tent at Trinity Bellwoods. I was merely filming the stand-up to my report. Keep in mind, I was, it was never my intention to engage with anyone at the encampment. But an illegal squatter inexplicably took umbrage to my very presence in this public park. And here's what unfolded. This is really rich. There are people here 
breaking the trespass act. Please move. Move. I don't like myself being filmed. You don't have the right to actually smash that camera. Hey, right I now. Wouldn't do that. I have the right to smash that hey, camera. Hey, hey. Don't do that. By law, I have the right to smash that. Do you have the right to smash that camera? Yeah. By law? Yeah, by law, you know I have to hey, smash hey. that camera. Hey, what, hey. What, what law are you quoting? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to John Tory's Toronto, folks. My beloved hometown is a pretty sad sight these days, wouldn't you say? Parkland has been surrendered to people who are clearly unhinged, some of whom are violent, some of whom harbor vicious animals. And while Mayor John Tory says this is unacceptable, well, Mayor, I have to say actions speak louder than words. In other words, how about doing something about this odious situation rather than just fretting about it? In any event, here's what you had to say. Hey now writes, I live in the Bay Area, California. San Francisco is the worst. Tents and parks and sidewalks and under overpasses. And the law is that they can't get arrested for peeing or pooing in the streets. There are places where they're allowing them to use heroin and give them new needles and there are nurses there to help them, all taxpayer funded. Well, you know, hey now, it's tragic what has happened to the once beautiful city of San Francisco. I first visited the city in 1986 and I gotta tell you back then there was just a smattering of homeless people. Now there are entire homeless communities, much like we see in other Democrat controlled cities, how soon will it be before Hogtown resembles the city by the bay thanks to a lack of political leadership? Brandon Fong writes, This is so incredibly sad. I used to live in Toronto for a long time. I loved going to Trinity Bellwoods and shopping on Queen Street West. I find it absolutely disgusting that residents and journalists are being intimidated by people that should not be living at the park. It's also sad that the mayor doesn't give a single F about what's going on. This is just going to get worse. You are correct, Brandon. The situation in Trinity Bellwoods is the end result when governments refuse to govern and law enforcement refuses to uphold the law. And the end result is that law-abiding citizens must now endure the law of the jungle. Barry Cole writes, I hope David pressed charges. I would avoid the situation entirely or defend myself fully if this was my stroll through the park. Yes, Barry, charges were indeed levied against the dog owner and his buddy. He's the guy who later swatted my cell phone out of my hands. For the record, Dean Edzi, 40, is charged with assault with a weapon, assault causing bodily harm, and mischief. Mark, a.k.a. Andre Durant, 61, is charged with assault. Andre has already been released. He is residing at the park again. And get this, the female Mastiff is walking around the park unleashed and unmuzzled. So welcome to the Toronto version of Whack-A-Mole. Lake Nipissing writes, by law, I have the right to smash that camera. 
since you're so worried about the law, by law, you don't have the right to be living in a public park in a tent or have unrestrained vicious dogs attacking taxpayers in a public park. Well, you know, you are correct, Lake Nipissing. So the question arises, why is the law not being upheld? I can tell you one thing with certainty. If the late great Rob Ford were still mayor, this violent nonsense would never be tolerated. Sad to see how much things have changed in Toronto in just six years. Alas, not everyone was supportive or sympathetic, however, folks. Obsolete professor writes, you're in his house. He has the right to privacy. Um, no and no, professor. That's public land. And he would have enjoyed his privacy, not that, he's in, not that he is entitled to any, as he is a squatter, had he simply ignored us. He engaged us, not the other way around. Mr. Aussie Gaming writes, He didn't sick his dog. The dog thought you were attacking him, and they were protecting him as they see him as the pack leader. Uh, no, you're wrong, Mr. Aussie Gaming. First, there's some footage of the assailant, Dean Edzi, actually calling his dogs out of the tent. Secondly, the dogs are unleashed. Third, the large dog that did most of the damage, Grizzly, was already on, if you can believe this, a dangerous dogs list. Part of the requirements in owning a dangerous dog is that it must be leashed and muzzled at all times. This degenerate knew exactly what he was doing, which was to weaponize his dogs against me. But thanks for your concern, nevertheless. In any event, folks, if you feel as angry as I do about the lawlessness in Toronto's parks, please visit our petition, taketorontoback.com, and I shall personally deliver this to the mayor's office in the weeks ahead. Also, a huge shout-out to all of you who sent your Get Well Soon sentiments to me. Your kindness and compassion is greatly appreciated. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.